Welcome back to Podcast with Statsman and AJ, folks. It's uh, time for RotoWire's fan- favorite fantasy hockey show. Uh, hello, friends. I'm Paul Bruno, coming to you from a Canadian hockey hotbed in southern Ontario. My co-host is AJ Schultz. You can follow him at Statsman. I mean, at AJ Schultz 24. I'm the Statsman at Statsman 22. And uh, we're we're ready for another week of hockey talk. But I'm I'm so excited. I got it all jumbled up, AJ, because I want to hear about a trip to Las Vegas. Yeah, so uh, some buddies and I had a had a trip out there, so had to find uh, you know some had to do a little little sports betting. Had to do a little uh, took in a hockey game. Got to go to uh, Golden Knights game, courtesy of our friend uh, Daniel Negreanu at uh, at Real Kid Poker. Uh, so that was a blast. You if you're out in Vegas, absolutely get to one of those games they are just uh just so exciting everything they have going on uh is just fantastic there so definitely definitely check that out um as far as the 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 betting goes look paul we've been doing this for a long time but apparently i've never learned from you we did a parlay thursday night before heading over to the game of course i picked uh picked the golden knights to win Pick the Stars to win, Predators and Kraken total to go over, Canucks to win uh, on the puck line, which they blew that out of the water. They beat oh. the Sharks 10-1 to that night. <laughs> but I picked the Habs to win, Paul. Oh, um, why, why, why? As, as the, the fifth thing in my parlay there oh. is all going so well. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Montreal hosed me. Oh, that's too bad. And I should have known better, but, you know, in in my uh, defense, they're playing the Coyotes. Yeah. Thought they could win a game, Paul. That's an an improved team, though. We're going to we're going to get to that, AJ, in a sec. But I want to hear what was what was particularly enthralling about the atmosphere in the rink? Did it start before the game, AJ? Did you get there before the game to see how they open it up and that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah, we showed up uh, during warmups, so they have the whole theatrical performance uh, kind of beforehand. They've got a a video that that plays, and it's you know everything you expect out of Vegas, just big theatrical. They've got stuff on the ice ahead of time. Um, the drumline that they have, I, I'm blanking on the actual name. I'm sure some of our listeners will come up with the name, but it's essentially a drumline that they have that plays throughout the game. Uh, they were just uh, phenomenal as well to get that atmosphere going. Uh, and yeah. And just every aspect of it, the arena is just gorgeous. I mean, you walk in and it's, it's just fantastic. Um, everything about that experience was, was fantastic. Where were you sitting? Where were you sitting? Uh, we were about center ice uh, Wow! In, in the lower bowl. So uh, hard. I don't think you could beat those seats anywhere. First class. Uh, We expect nothing less from our friend, Mr. Negrano, and uh, I know you're grateful for the experience that he afforded you there. That was that was very nice. So we'll have to get him on the show, and uh, you can compare notes about your experience. I don't know if you had a chance to chat with him offline, but we got to get that reaction on the program in the coming weeks for sure. But AJ, let's spend a moment talking about the Pacific Division since you saw the Vegas Knights up close and personal. I'll let you lead off and make an observation on as many of the teams here as you feel like, and I'll I'll do the same thing. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously we'll start with Vegas. Uh, they just they just look so good. They just look so commanding. Um, they took it to to Colorado the other night, 
Now they did finally, we knew it was going to happen eventually. Mm-hmm. They finally lost in regulation on the second night of a back-to-back uh, against Anaheim. No, no real uh, shame there. It's, it's eventually they were going to lose in regulation. Yeah. The Ducks have been playing a lot better this season just to transition into them seven and four on the year. So significantly better numbers. They're sitting fourth in the Pacific right now. Uh, Vancouver looks really, really good. Nine, two and one. I mentioned that they hung 10 up on uh, San Jose. Uh, The Sharks look awful. They, they had 10 hung up on them in back-to-back games. I think there was only one time when that's happened three games in a row. So we'll see what happens for their next outing. Um, but yeah, San Jose, just, just terrible. But um, yeah, that's kind of the highs and the lows, Paul. I'll let you pick through the the middle of the pack here. Sure. I mean, you mentioned that uh, this the Vegas team looks like a real good bet to go deep again, based on what we're seeing so far. That 11-1-1 record, a stellar one, 8-1-1 in their last 10 games. But the Canucks right behind them, I think they have to be the surprise team in this division, AJ. I mean, I thought they would be improved, and I like the coaching staff led by Rick Tockett. This guy's one of the top motivators among coaches in the NHL. He, of course, was a a hard-nosed player in his day, and he brought that style to the bench, and uh, the the team is reacting. He's getting a lot of mileage out of out of them and really motivating them to uh, to these heights. And they've got Thatcher Demko in goal playing superb hockey as well. So a team right now that's that's got a, a new look and a new fire underneath them. But right behind them is Los Angeles Kings. And I mean, I saw them in Toronto about a week and a half ago. And they were in the middle of a long road trip that they went undefeated for, mo- for the most part. And uh, they're 7-2-2 and two and two so far this season. Uh, the offense... Three deep at center. They got that look in the middle of the ice since they added Pierre-Luc Dubois to uh, the other two mainstays there in uh, Kopitar and uh, who's the second line center in in L.A.? I can't blank it. Deneau. Philippe Deneau. And uh, that's, a, that's a real strength to that team, A.J. And uh, no surprise that uh, that they're rolling as long as those guys are, are uh, handling uh, the roles of leading each of those lines. And then beyond that, we we are surprised also by the Ducks taking a bit of a step. Their young players are are leading the way there. Mason McTavish, I've been tooting this guy's horn for a long time as a guy, a player to watch in his development, and he seems to have taken the next step and and assumed a bit of a leadership role there. And along with Trevor Zegras, the young guns are are leading the attack, and uh, they've kind of clamped down on the goals against too. It's under three per game so far this season, so that's a good look for them. The Seattle Kraken were maybe a surprise to some that they made the playoffs in their inaugural season, but uh, they're right there in the middle of the pack uh, and uh, threatening to, to make some noise again in the playoff race. Among the disappointments, you have to look in the province of Alberta in Canada where the Flames and the Oilers are kind of bringing up the rear there. I'm shocked that the Oilers are only 2-8-1 and one so far this season, and really I think bo- things boiled over in the game they played last night where Connor McDavid blew his stack and earned a, a misconduct in a, in a bit of a a melee late, late in the game. I think he's just about had enough here, uh, AJ. They're, they're minus 18 in terms of the goals for and goals against so far this season. And save for the dreadful San Jose Sharks, they'd be bringing up the rear in this division. And uh, in terms of San Jose, man, oh, man, do they look like the free spot on the NHL schedule when you're going to play them. It's got to feel like points nights coming up because look at the plus minus 12 goals for. I mean, Austin Matthews has outscored the entire club 
so far this season. That's how bad it is. And 55 goals against. It's a remarkably poor start for this team. And uh, I don't see, uh, I see a light at the end of the tumble, tunnel, but I think it's the biggest train you've ever seen coming for this team. I just don't see it <laughs> out here. So, so uh, really, at the top, some great stories at the bottom some not so great and uh, the disparity is, is startling after only 10 games so far this year that said my friend it's time to go through our usual foray and uh, get into the routine of what we do here so i'll let you lead it off in terms of the highlights that you found this week among the top scoring players yeah well obviously uh i it shouldn't be that surprising that Elias Pettersson leads the way, uh, probably going to be a fair number of Vancouver players that we talk about uh, after that that game, that thrashing. You know, that's always going to boost everybody's numbers. Three games played uh, over the last week, four goals, three assists, 13 shots, just literally every category you can think of uh, looked really, really well or really good last week. Um, fantasy points were, were huge for him. Uh, Mitch Marner was up there as well. Uh, you're looking at, you know, uh, since, I don't know, Paul, we should get on the same page at some point about uh, what day we start with. But for me, looking at the last week, uh, four games played for him, three goals, seven assists. Uh, so, you know, just a 10-point week, really solid performance out of him. Of course, Austin Matthews looking good as well. Six goals that led the league over, again, over the last week here with six goals. Uh, so really uh, some strong performances from some big names. Uh, you know, you look, uh, you know, maybe further down the list, you know, you're going to see more of these guys that um, that we expect to see, or, or, you know, Rube Hintz is up there. Jack Eichel is up there. Kucherov. So um, some, some familiar names, some of the names we expect to be at the top of the list every week. Um, I'll leave it to you, Paul, any names that surprise you from standing out, in these top performers? Well, first of all, I'll make the point that when we grab these stats, we do it, I do it Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday. So I leave out the Monday night games. We're including them for talk about uh, the week that was next well, next week's show so that we don't create too much confusion between the two of us, AJ. That's, that's where I'm coming from when I quote these figures. And I mean, sticking with the theme of the Western, uh, the Pacific Division, Troy Terry is a guy that was a, emerged as a, as a power power forward for them last couple of seasons and he's picking up where he left off with a nice week last week where he had three games and he produced three goals two assists 13 shots on goal uh, to add to the total that comes up to 42.7 fantasy points that's a pretty good total for a guy who likely wasn't drafted uh, before the third or fourth round in your fantasy drafts yet he's one of the top young producers in the league this year I mean I saw Nikita Kucherov up close and personal last night popped four points against the Leafs in the first period. So he's not slowing down at all. And beyond that, he had five points last week. So uh, the linchpin of the Tampa attack is, is flying right now. And ditto for Artemi Panarin and the Rangers. A lot of people overlook him when they talk about other players on this club, like Artemi Panarin, Chris Kreider is a 50-goal shooter. But to me, Artemi Panarin is still the straw that stirs the drink, if I can borrow a Yankeeism there. He had two goals and four helpers last week. So these are the name recognition guys, though. But we want to give you a little bit of extra value uh, for listening to this segment. William Carlson is a guy that fits that bill, emerging as a third-line center uh, to show the depth in the Vegas situation. Three goals, two helpers last week uh, to 
had his totals. Jack McBain, indicative of some, some some little bit of noise that's coming out of Arizona. It's not a walkover, folks, when you play this club uh, the way things look this year. They got the goaltending in place last year, but they've augmented it with a bit more offense this season. McBain at the center of it uh, lately, two goals, three helpers last week. So good for him. And I thought that I was going to put a big X through the Nashville club, uh, AJ, but they're hanging around the 500 mark. And Philip Forsberg's had a lot to do with it, but so has Ryan O'Reilly. They're both scoring at a regular pace in the early going. So that, that's a good look for that club and a bit of a surprise if you're looking for an easy time in Arizona. It's not always guaranteed. And uh, you touched on that earlier. Michael Carcone is a guy that had a hat trick for them last week as well. So the, the, the scoring is not just coming from one or two uh, players like K- Clayton Keller and that sort of thing. It's, it's others around him. I mentioned Chris Kreider. He looks like he's got his shooting eye back, AJ, and he's among the leading goal scorers again this season after a bit of a dip last year. So it's worth mentioning that he has found his groove. And then Jamie Benn proving that last year's resurgence was not a fluke. He's had a nice start to his early season. So that's some of the top scoring guys among the forwards, AJ, that produced last week. What about on the blue line? Well, again, you know, not surprisingly, it starts and stops over in Vancouver. Quinn Hughes, uh, 50.7 fantasy points here, one goal, seven assists, uh, 13 shots. I mean, again, shouldn't come as a surprise. Similarly, we see Eric Carlson at the top of this list, despite just two games played, uh, one goal, three assists, three of those power play points. Uh, Anytime a team is putting up 10, uh, you have to consider that, you know, for – for daily fantasy, obviously stacking against the Sharks as much as you can is a strategy. Um, you know, even in season long, it might be worth it to see. Like like normally, I would say, oh, Alex Petrangelo had four games this last week and did have really good numbers, four assists, two power play assists, 12 shots. I would probably have considered starting him over Eric Carlson. And while it did work out that way, Um, When you have a team going up against the Sharks, you may want to consider factoring that in um, into your your numbers here because Carlson probably produced at the same level as he would in three games against a regular team than 10 against against the Sharks. So something just added to consider there uh, for your season-long leagues. Obviously, daily um, is is another story as well. And you look, you know, other guys that showed up on this uh, list, Philip Ronick for Vancouver. 28 fantasy points, four assists. I'm guessing that's going to be more of an exception that he'll be on the list. Uh, although, to be fair to him, he is on a seven-game point streak, 10 helpers over that stretch. Um, no goals yet this season if you want to knock his game a little bit, but seeing power play time. Um, but again, just be aware that some of those numbers might be slightly inflated uh, from that 10-1 game. And I, I like to highlight the defensive defenseman, AJ, because a lot more pools are, are using the uh, extra stats like hits and block shots. So a guy like Esselindel has some value in those leagues where he had five shots on goal and two helpers, but padded his stats with five hits and 13 block shots to be among the uh, top producing defensemen in fantasy points. When you factor all of that together, he came up with a total of 28 on the week. So he... Grad, uh, cracked the top 10 in that regard. Ditto for Jacob Truba. He's got a guy that plays a ton of minutes for the Rangers. 25, oh, 25 minutes and five seconds was the average in three games last week. He too with a pair of assists, but padded the stats with five hits and 13 block shots along with four shots on goal. So you don't have to necessarily score goals in a lot of leagues this year to have uh, these times 
to have an impact in fantasy. And that's why I thought I'd bring those two guys up. Well, what about Radko Gudas and his new digs in Anaheim? He's fitting in and doing a, the Rad, Radko Gudas things. Five shots on goal, 10 hits, and 11 block shots. There's not a lot of defensemen that produce 100 hits and 100 block shots in a season, but he looks like a lock to do so. Do so, And I look at that list when I prepare for my uh, forays into the fantasy leagues uh, and uh, that, that count these statistics too, AJ. So that's why I mentioned that. And I'll finish with one more guy, Justin Falk in St. Louis. A couple of years ago, they were wondering if, what kind of goods they got from the deal that brought him there, but uh, he's fit in in the last year and a half and assumed the role as the lead dog almost in terms of the St. Louis uh, power play and, and offensive attack from the back end. So he's a guy that's worth mentioning if you're looking for help in that vein. And what about a guy like Vince Dunn? Speaking of St. Louis, he was formerly a St. Louis Blue, but they uh, Seattle plucked him out of that organization and he has been just uh, a fireball uh, in terms of scoring on a regular basis and leading the power play in in that uh, club's uh, forays on a nightly basis so uh, uh, continuing where he left off last season is all he's doing again this year aj well i'll take us into the the goaltenders as well paul just keep rolling here uh top dog this week thatcher demko three games three wins three goals allowed one shutout and really you look at his numbers six and oh in his last six games, a 1.17 goals against average, uh, leading uh, leading the way for Vancouver right now, looking really, really strong, really, really good here. Bit of a bounce back uh, for Cam Talbot this week. Three games, similarly, three wins. Uh, and, and again, really, you look at further out, he hasn't lost in regulation in five straight. The numbers are looking pretty solid. Really just had, you know, that rough first game against Colorado. Okay, everybody has a rough first game against Colorado. (laughs) Uh, His other kind of bad game, if you want to put it out there, Boston. He gave up four goals uh, to Boston in a loss. Those are his two regulation losses for the year. Um, An overtime loss to to Vegas. Uh, So really, I mean, the games he should win, like, uh, you know, Philadelphia, Arizona he's winning those ones um, and then he's also winning against teams that maybe you would think he LA shouldn't they beat Toronto um, you know they uh, knocked off Minnesota so just Talbot's numbers have been really consistently good this year uh, and he seems to be settled in well there uh, and then the last name I'll mention at, at the top here is Aiden Hill continues to thrive for the Vegas Golden Knights um, he remains undefeated in regulation on the season. He was not in the crease for the, the Anaheim loss there. And they continue to bounce back and forth. Um, uh, Hill started two games in a row once. Otherwise, it's just been Hill, Thompson, Hill, Thompson every other night. Obviously, that makes it difficult for – or a little more difficult for season-long leagues. Um, but I would expect Hill will get their next start. Um, but, yeah, 41 saves and a shutout performance against Colorado – not a lot of guys are saying that right now. That's for exactly. sure. Exactly. And when we look at the alphabet in terms of the order of the, the way we used to present these teams, the Arizona Coyotes and Anaheim Ducks, they didn't have goalies at the top of the list too many weeks, but they did last week. Connor Ingram appeared in two games and totaled 35.2 fantasy points and has had a fine start as part of a tandem there with Carol Vermelka. 
And then in Anaheim, Lucas Dostalis is uh, fighting for top minutes with the incumbent there, John Gibson. And uh, he chimed in with two more appearances last week, both victories, a total of five goals against, to add to his fine start this season and a 34-point week as well. And, I mean, I'm, I'm also going to divert for a moment, AJ, because there's a guy on this list who probably won't make it for the, uh, the rest of the season or a good chunk of the season. He's got some real trouble on his hands with the health issue that cropped up over the weekend. Freddie Anderson, uh, who I, I cheered for for a long time in Toronto, he's had a nice run in Carolina as one, is one of the winningest goalies in hockey history when you look at percentage. But he did win one start last week and appeared twice. But uh, as I said, he won't be around for a while because he's dealing with blood clotting issues. And that's a very serious thing. And our thoughts go out to him uh, that he can overcome this. But he's going to be sidelined for a bit. So if you're looking for help, uh, in the in the net mining situation, he's he created a vacancy, and uh, they are going to have a bit of a tough time filling it. I know they've got a call up to a veteran goalie. We'll touch on that a little bit later, but uh, tough times for him. But uh, there's a lot of guys that that uh, there's a lot of depth in the goalie category this year. AJ is what I'm trying to say, uh, I guess. And and I'm finding that you know I was a Freddie Anderson owner. Uh, until this week, and I'm looking around the league thinking, okay, where do I go for help? And Lucas Dostal is out there, I said. Connor, Gray, uh, Connor Ingram is out there. Even a guy like Scott Wedgwood might be an interesting play because Dallas is going to win a lot of games, and he's on this list as well with a solid performance in his lone start last week. So uh, uh, it's worth going through the list to see who's doing well on the goalie side too because this year there are some real options beyond the top uh, star- starters for each club. That said, my friend, we're going to look at most added players in fantasy rosters uh, this week around the league. I'll kick us off. And I mentioned the top dog in this category last week, uh, Mason McTavish for Anaheim. His ownership jumped a whopping almost 40% on the week. And I think a lot of people were late to this party. He's shown from right from opening night that he's ready to take a big step. And he has to be one of the offensive juggernauts in the, in the Anaheim organization. And Maybe a lead dog that'll stay there for most of the season. I also mentioned William Carlson having a great start to his campaign from the bottom six in Vegas. I mean, he's getting a look on the power play too, so that helps him a little bit. And his profile jumped by 26% on the week from 27.7 to 54. So a solid move for him. Uh, We highlighted the next guy, Cam Atkinson, as a guy who didn't play all of last season in Philadelphia dealing with an injury that kept him out all year, but he's bounced back with a fury and he is starting to catch the eye of a lot of people in fantasy, apparently, because his ownership started out on only 9.8%. It's jumped to 33.9. So some neat stories there about play with players who didn't make the early impression at a lot of fantasy drafts, but are starting to gain some traction. AJ, I thought I'd lead off with those and I'll give it to you to highlight a few more and then I'll come back with more myself. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, we've talked about uh, Lucas Dostal was definitely on that list. Uh, Wool, uh, your your boy over in Toronto. He's looking good. Yep, yep. And I think people, you know, I'm not surprised to see this kind of being delayed from ha- him having some good performances and the fact that people were probably like, is he actually going to be the kind of regular starter over Ilya Samsonov? Uh, and, and that has continued to be the case that they're bouncing back and forth right now, but Samsonov still not winning games. So that's, um, you know, that would be an indication to go in on, on a Joseph wool there. So, 
Yeah, I, I think there's definitely um, some guys that are worth uh, some goalies. As you mentioned, other people are, are getting in on the show. Uh, Jaden Schwartz jumped a pretty big 17 uh, points here. I would expect that to go up even further. Looking at next week, he had eight points in his last six games. He's getting power play ice time as well. So look for that to continue to jump. Now it is with the second unit. He's, he's not out there with the first unit, but still um, something to keep an eye on uh, with that role. It, it could change with how uh, well he's going. And you're going to see a theme here. The other, uh, another guy who made about a 17 point jump here, Sean Monahan with Montreal. Um, he's on a five game point streak, four goals over that stretch, two with the man advantage. So not surprising to see him on that list. And again, I would expect to maybe see that go even further if he continues to produce this week. Um, I'm not sure why he couldn't produce more when they were playing Arizona. Um, that would have been <laughs> helpful. But he did have a goal in that game. So I guess I can't blame Monahan too badly in that one. Yeah. And in Philadelphia, they've got to be singing the praises of Travis Sanheim when a couple of other more highly paid defensemen aren't really panning out for this club. Sanheim has assumed the role as the number one power play quarterback and uh, and has been producing in that role and getting more ice time his ownership spiked by by that same 16 percent mark going from 40.9 to 56.9 so good on him frankie vetrano has uh, been lights out as a top scorer for anaheim he's been a bit of a journeyman in his past so i'm a little bit wary of jumping on that train yet and uh yeah, I might have missed the, the the big run up. I think I don't know if he's going to be able to keep this current pace, but his ownership is up at thirty eighty three point seven percent, and I wouldn't have picked him for better than fifty at the start of the season. So I wonder if that's going to settle down. What I'm saying is that's a cautionary tale, and I'm staying away from it because I missed the the run up, and uh, I think the best is is done for him. Uh, Goalie of note, if you're looking for goalie help, Jake Allen is an interesting situation, AJ. I know he's playing for Montreal, but he's playing every other game. They're off to a nice start. And I just wonder if he's going to be trade bait before the end of the season. So you could maybe see a late spike in value for him if he gets moved at the deadline to a contending team. I think he's a prime candidate to do that because they're pinning their hopes on the other half of that tandem in Montreal and Samuel Montembeau to be a long-term answer. Uh, Jake Allen's ownership is only even 16, 16% right now, a bump of 9% on the week, 93 actually. And uh, I'll finish up with one more note on a, a guy that I've talked about a lot in the Carolina situation. I mean, beginning of the season, we thought this team was going to be uh, a top team in the league. They are by all counts, but they're struggling a little bit right now. And Toivo Teravainen's ownership is uh, is moving up steadily. He's getting top six minutes again, and, and a healthy Sebastian Ajo is back in the fold. So those two, I expect them to run amok in the next little while. So keep an eye on him if you have a chance to steal him in the 31.9, uh, 36.1% of the leagues where he's not owned yet, according to the stats. He, his ownership did spike by 7%, so people are catching on. Uh, if you've got a chance to grab him, I think that's a no-brainer. So uh, we're going we're gonna to take a break right now, AJ, before we fire up the injury news segment of our show and finish up with a DFS segment. We'll remind our listeners they're listening to the podcast with Statsman and AJ, and we'll be back, be back right after these messages. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we return to podcast with Statsman and AJ, and we'll turn our attention to the injury uh, news and player drop segment of our show before we get on to the final part where we talk about BF stra- BFS strategy on tonight's slate. So in terms of the injury news and most drop players, AJ, the top guy on this list is Andrew Kopp of the Detroit Red Wings. His ownership was only 25.2% at the start of the week. It finished up at 13 for a drop of 12%. So I think what that indicates is 12% is not it's kind of things are settling in for a lot of rosters in fantasy, but I still think there's opportunity based on the added players that I mentioned up above. But right behind Cop, though, I got to stop for a second and talk about Jordan Bennington. I don't get why his ownership dropped 12% last week. He's going to be a starter who plays over 60, almost 60 games. There's only about eight or nine of them in the entire league. So if you've got a chance to have this guy on your roster, you got to hold on to those types, I, th- I think. So the 12% that dropped him last week, I think it's a big mistake. And uh, you should strive to correct that or jump on the opportunity to pick a guy who's only owned in 45.9% of the leagues out there. Ditto for a guy like Brady Shea uh, in Carolina. This, as I said, is a, a, a lineup that's projected to be among the best in the league. He's been there, a, a top scorer for this team on the back end, 18 goals last season, AJ, uh, among the leaders in that category. And he's off to find offensive start this year. So another drop that almost doesn't make any sense to me, his ownership went down 8.9% overall. Uh, the next name I will mention is a guy that's been a source of consternation in, in uh, Toronto here, and that's Tyler Bertuzzi. When he came over, uh, signed uh, as a free agent last year for a one-year deal, it was a prove-it situation, and he was earmarked for the top line with Matthews and Marner, and things just haven't worked out for him. He's only got a couple of goals on the year and and uh, paltry shots on goal uh, per game rate. So he's just not fitting in there, and he's been moved to the second line, which is no slum area with, with guys like John Tavares and, and Willie Nylander to play with, but still hasn't found his groove, and the ownership has dropped 8.3%. I think it's going to continue to tumble because this guy just looks lost out there, and I'm really surprised because he has 30 goal capabilities. He's done it in the past. He's just not showing anything like it right now. Uh, any other names catch your eye at the top of the list and uh, see your thoughts? 
Well, I did want to just, uh, you know, Brady Skay, you're looking at a guy in an 11-game goal drought, has just two assists in his last eight games. I mean, kind of makes sense if you're, uh, you know, needing some D help, if you're, you know, maybe, for example, uh, you don't have a lot of leeway for somebody to be bad because you're holding on to a Brandon Montour or Aaron Ekblad. Uh, and yeah, so maybe you need to be kind of Johnny on the spot, making moves as quick as you can. And, and Brady Skay not, not really living up to uh, expectations there. Another uh, goalie that was high up on this drop list, Philip Gustafsson. Uh, the numbers have been really bad this year. So I'm not surprised to see a 10% drop. You know, it, it looked great to start 41 saves, shutout win over Florida since then. His goals against average 5.84, just one win in his last six outings, 8.44 is the save percentage. And, and look, at the end of the day, uh, it's not like he's got some AHL, you know, young AHL up and comer behind him. Uh, he's got Marc-Andre Fleury right there behind him. So he's doesn't have a lot of leash. This is a team that's designed to be winning at least making the playoffs, if, if not competing for, for a cup here. Um, and, you know, Gustafsson needs to be better. Now, I'm not saying that this is the end. He's no longer the goalie of the future, any of those things. I'm just saying I'm not surprised to see him uh, potentially getting less starts uh, down the stretch based on the rough performance because there is a veteran behind him. And so I, th- I think it makes sense to see a, a, a 10, you know, about a 10-point drop here as opposed to some of the other guys, you know, Paul, you mentioned Bennington could see still see plenty of opportunities, even if he is struggling right now. Um, that's not going to be the case uh, for, for a guy like Philip Gustafson. Uh, similarly, Jacob Markstrom about an 8% drop. Um, he's a player that would fall more into that Bennington category. He should see the majority of, of the opportunities here. He's got, you know, Dan ladder behind him. Um, but Marshall is mired in a seven game losing streak. Now the numbers haven't been terrible. They haven't been great, but three Oh three save percentage during that eight, nine, two, uh, or 3.03 goals against average eight, nine, two save percentage. Um, so I'm not surprised to see the drop here, but I you know between these three guys that we talked about, Bennington, Gustafson, Marshall, to me, Marshall is the one I would most be willing to kind of see if we can ride it out here, see what's going to happen. I would put Bennington number two, and then Gustafson, you know, last on that that short list there of of willing to to stick with it just because there is an alternative option in Minnesota right now. And I'm going to volley back with a couple of defensemen, AJ. You mentioned uh, you're concerned about Brady Shea, but he fits into almost a similar category as uh, guys like Hampus Lindholm and Devin Taves, who are also on this list, being dropped. Uh, seven over seven percent in uh, leagues last last week and they're playing on in good teams in boston and colorado of course they're in top four assignments they're getting power play minutes in each case and playing with a lot of very good players so i think it's very too early to jump ship on players of that quality and that's why i don't make seismic changes to my roster i think dumping those two guys is considered a seismic change but I do have a candidate for an award that it, it's a dubious award that we kind of uh, hand out tongue in cheek for the worst contract in the NHL. And a guy who's on this list is certainly uh, 
leader, almost a leader, a runaway leader in the league, and that's Jonathan Huberto for Calgary. Uh, we mentioned that they've stumbled out of the gate a little bit, and save for Markstrom, things might be even worse there. But Huberto has been a big part of the problem. He's on the books for several years still, AJ, agreeing to a long-term commitment in Calgary, but things just haven't worked out for this guy. It was implied that he just couldn't get along with the previous coaching regime. They've got a new coach in place. They've got a new system in place, but it's the same Jonathan Huberto that's been in Cowtown uh, last year and this year, and he's just not getting it done and uh, somehow still owned in 67% of leagues, people hoping against hope that he turns around uh, a resume of almost 100 games now in Calgary where it's just not been working out. So that's a situation where maybe you you, uh, you uh, try and get out from under any any commitment you have with this guy on your roster. If you can trade him, you're selling low for sure, but uh, he's not helping you right now, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. The same can be said for Dawson Mercer, who kind of hit the ground, hit the ice running last year, had a great year for New Jersey, but now is relegated to bottom six work in that situation. It's a good team, but if you're not in the top six, you're not... Uh, you're not going to pan out and be an offensive catalyst. His ownership dropped for, by almost 6%. I'm going to see it tumble, I think, a little bit more. Uh, you mentioned Samson up in Toronto. AJ, he's struggling big time. I was at the game last night, and Tampa hung a four spot on him early in the first period. Lucky for me, the Leafs came back and won that game, so it was a happy ending and a wide range of emotions. But Samsonov looks very lost. and uh, I mean, I, I consider myself a bit of a goalie savant. Uh, in terms of what I see in the play. And with it was an interesting contrast with him and, and Wall last night. Samsonov playing well back in his net, AJ. And, and that speaks to a lack of confidence, I think. Whenever a goalie's on the top of his game, you see him at the top of the crease. And that was the situation when Wall went in the net. I noticed the difference quickly when uh, when I saw the way these guys were just set up in the, in the goal. And, and, of course, Wall was lights out for the rest of the game, giving the Leafs a chance to come back. But Sammy's looking lost, and he's got to find his way because he's on that one-year deal, a prove-it situation, and, uh, and uh, he's not looking very good in the early going. And, of course, I've got to, I, what, what would a show be without a knock on a Montreal player, AJ? And I know that's going to make <laughs> some, some of our fans, uh, listeners cringe, but Jurek Slakowski. He is struggling with the Canadians. He got a goal so far this year, but looking lost on the ice, uh, in my opinion, overmatched. And, uh, you know, the top draft pick from over a, just over a year ago uh, didn't have a great year last year, injury riddled and so on, but but uh, points are, are a rarity for this guy. It's like finding a four-leaf clover uh, for him to get a point right now. And uh, I would think that he's better off just going to the minors, playing in Laval in the AHL for a while, just to gain some confidence because it just doesn't seem to be there. Uh, they've got a lot invested in him as a first round, first overall pick in the draft. They don't all turn out to be a Connor Bedard or Austin Matthews or, or the kid in Edmonton, McDavid, who's not smiling too much these days. But Slavkovsky is not in that class, and he needs to, some seasoning in the minors, I think, to get out from under that. AJ, I'll leave it to you to finish up this segment with us some talk uh, on the injury reports that we saw last week and make up the rest of this list before we get into the DFS portion of our show. Yeah, we'll start with uh, a couple goalies. You mentioned off the top, Frederick Anderson, currently out indefinitely with blood clotting issues. Uh, obviously, that's that's a injury uh, health concern that, that goes well beyond hockey, so hopefully... Um, he can get better as soon as possible. 
um, just just from that standpoint, uh, they you know the the release seemed to indicate they expect him to return at some point this season, but who knows when? Um, and I think this could potentially speed up the process if it wasn't already heading this way of, of Frederick uh, Frederick Anderson maybe considering retirement uh, sooner rather than later. Here, I mean, he's been in the league for for a long time. Um, he's He's uh, certainly not, not, you know, 34 years old. So he's not quite, you know, at that like Marc-Andre Fleury <laughs> close <laughs> to retirement level. But when you add in something like this, that's a pretty significant health scare. Um, it's, it's certainly possible. Uh, Carter Hart is sidelined, uh, won't be available tonight. Uh, and they're looking at seven to 10 days for Carter Hart. They are already uh, missing uh, Felix uh, Sandstrom, who, who would have been uh, probably the, the backup. Uh, he had a conditioning assignment. It looked like maybe that was going to be better. So they're going to be rolling with Cal Pedersen for the time being. Uh, and we'll, we'll see how that fares for them. But overall, uh, looking at his career in L.A., it hasn't worked out too well when he's a starter. Uh, so that's a big concern, obviously, um, for that team. Dylan Larkin to move away from goalies Dylan Larkin dealing uh, with an injury uh, might play tonight. That's definitely up in the air. Uh, they're going to want him back as soon as possible. And then one more before I toss it to you, Paul, Jack Hughes, a shoulder injury considered week to week, um, hopefully sooner rather than later, but they are again, another team with multiple injuries. They've got Nico Heischer out. Um, we're not expecting him back un until, um, maybe the end of the week, uh, he didn't travel with the team. Uh, so that's, you know, that's the middle of the ice for the New Jersey Devils that is looking pretty thin. Right now we've got Michael McLeod and Dawson Mercer as the one-two center combo here. That's that's pretty thin. Uh, Thomas Nosek is also out. He's on injured reserve. Uh, we don't have a ton of uh, update on, on his timeline, but uh, yeah, some some thinness down the middle in New Jersey. And I mean, AJ, this this made me think while you were talking. We should really plug the work that that we, you and I and the rest of our friends at Rotowire do in terms of providing up to the minute information as best we can. I mean, week to week is the best information we've got about Jack Hughes. You won't find anything more about that, and that's part of a bit of an annual rant that I have that we need to hear more information for the purposes of, in fantasy sports. There's a lot of money invested in in that industry, and uh, it'd be great if the leagues could the league could catch on like in uh, I'll compare it to the NFL again. They report every freaking hand hangnail that any player has uh, a bruised fingers and stuff like that. In the NHL, we get week to week for incidents where you've seen a guy get crushed into the boards head first or whatever. And that seemed to be the case with, with uh, Jack Hughes. So I think it's an up, definitely a, an upper body could be a shoulder, could be a neck, but they did say shoulder for that one. They've been and, clear on, on Hughes and, being and, a shoulder, but, it's not always the case. And I mean, you look at even Timothy Lilligren in Toronto, he went ankle first into the boards on an egregious hit by the NHL super pest of all super pests, Brad Marchand, who has the record of being unnamed by me in the history of this show for a couple of years. But I think I'm going to put him on my crap list again after what I saw in that incident. And uh, so Lilligren is on the IR. 
long term looking to miss 10 games is a shame because this this guy is from Sweden. The Leafs are going to be in Sweden next week to play a couple of games. And you know he had that circled on his calendar. So I had to get that in and off my chest. A bit, a bit of a problem for me to swallow that one. Nicholas Backstrom, a guy who's been a pointer game guy throughout his career, might be another guy looking at the end of the line here. He's dealing with a personal health issue that uh, we don't know too much about. And the un- there's an unknown timeline for him. This is a guy who's probably on the fringe of Hall of Fame consideration based on the quality of his career, AJ. But it's it's going out like uh, with a fizzle rather than a big spark. And that's a shame because this guy uh, has been uh, the sidekick for Ovechkin for most of his ride in the NHL. And uh, tough situation in Washington because that team is... is going to be maybe the the eastern division of eastern version of what san jose is looking like in in the west before it's all said and done i think um sean couturier is a guy who missed most of all of last season he's dealing with a lower body hurt right now again i don't know if that's i don't think that's tied to what he suffered from last season so that might be a good thing but again a situation with an unknown duration for a guy who's a key to that offense adam fox threw a bit of a fit when he was hit and uh we know now know why, because it's a lower body hurt that's keeping him on the LTIR. And so that's a, that's a minimum of 10 games for a guy who's a key part of the New York situation from the back end. And uh, you mentioned Heischer and Hughes. That's a big blow in the middle of the ice for the Devils. So uh, where, where that was a bit of a strength for that team, it now looks like a weakness that opponents can prey upon. And I feel bad for a guy like Connor Brown, AJ. This guy I thought was going to thrive in Edmonton. But that's been a tire fire so far this year. And he was one game short of getting a whopping bonus in terms of uh, his uh, career achievements and the contract that he has set up here. So he's dealing with an un- upper body injury and an undisclosed time of return. So I hope for his sake that uh, he can get that milestone in in, in his back pocket uh, with some extra cash because he's a, a solid citizen and played played well in other stops in the league but really beset by injury matt duchene is a is a guy that uh, is day-to-day in the dallas situation his first year over in dallas looking to make a a mark for himself this veteran was looking for a clean slate but uh and they had a bit bit of a bounce back the last year and a half but uh, looks like he's having a troubled time with that upper body injury right now and uh Another personal situation has arisen. I don't think it's a long-term one in Carolina with Michael Bunting. He's expected to be back. He's dealing with a day-to-day situation, though. And uh, as a top six player on one of the top six top teams in the league, you got to know about stuff like that and see if it's a concern going forward. Finally, Dylan Cousins, a guy who has been a lock, locked in as a second-line center in Buffalo. The Sabres have struggled out of the gate a little bit this year. Not for his effort. Cousins has been a solid producer, but he's sidelined right now. They list him as day-to-day, but the upper body injury that I saw seems to be more of a concern than that indication right now. So, uh, any other thoughts, AJ, before we go to the DFS? Yeah, I would just add, um, you know, with Backstrom, while the team's release didn't specifically say it, it most... Reports linked it to that that previous hip injury that it that it wasn't totally recovered the way um, that they were hoping. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, hip is kind of a key. Not that anything else isn't, but your hip is pretty key to hockey and being able to skate and, and move around on the ice. So um, we'll have to to watch that. And then uh, Alec Martinez, you know, to your point about 
Um, not really getting a ton of information. We have him down as an undisclosed injury. He did miss four games earlier in the year with an upper body issue, and it's not clear if this is related to that or not. Um, if it is, that's that's obviously a, a bigger concern for fantasy uh, players that you know that something like this has reoccurred or, or flared up. You know, if it's not, then it's just an unlucky situation in you know the first two months of the season. Still not good news, obviously, but um, you know the concern there is whether or not it's more of a long-term issue that that could be problematic throughout the year. Well, before we get into DFS segment of the show, AJ, I want to just uh, highlight for our listeners' sake that we get all this information from our own sur- sources at RotoWire. It's a tremendous website with a wealth of information in terms of what players are doing lately and and where they fit in on their rosters and and the projections going forward. We work on that on a daily basis, and we pick it and choose from that information to create this podcast every week so you can we're just giving you a taste of what's out there and we encourage you strongly to uh to subscribe where where applicable to to join in the fun that we all have when we get access to to the the broad spectrum of opportunity that awaits you as a consumer of, of the fantasy sports space at rotowire so there's my little commercial about our company aj but now we're going to switch our attention to the dfs portion of our show where we highlight the the games on tap for tonight and the impact that they may have in your fantasy picks by choosing your teams on DraftKings and FanDuel platforms. I'll leave it to you to lead us into a discussion about the DraftKings portion of the show and your projection for hot picks based on tonight's schedule. Yeah, so um, doing a bit of high-low throughout throughout the lineup here. So paying up big for, for one guy, going a little bit lower, um, for another, and I'm going to start, I, you know, I think uh, maybe this is wishful thinking, but I think the Penguins uh, needed that win against San Jose, and I think that's going to have good things uh, to come for them. Now, admittedly, Anaheim has been playing better. They are on the road, but I, I think it's a good opportunity tonight uh, to use the Penguins off, off, you know, and build off that, that win. So I'm going to start with Sidney Crosby, 8,200 tonight. Uh, obviously, you know, Almost near the top, if not the top of of the center list here. Um, yeah, third. Well, technically second because you're not going to use Jack Hughes tonight. So uh, second behind uh, McKinnon on the center price list this week. Um, but I think you know you have to consider five game point streak right now. He's got points in nine out of ten games. Uh, so you know he's still finding ways to produce and, and put up big numbers. So I, I think he's worth using. And then my low is Marco Rossi for Minnesota. Um, surprisingly, on this price it, uh, for this price tag here, thirty seven hundred overall. Uh, he's riding a six game point streak, sixteen shots over that stretch. So it's not like he's not you know putting pucks on net. The Islanders is a good matchup for Minnesota. Again, I know they're on the road, but um, I, I think it makes sense at the wing. Uh, going high with uh, Jake Gensel here, seventy seven hundred. Uh, all the reasons that I talked you know, really about using Crosby apply to using Gunsel as well. Four point night against San Jose. Um, but overall on the season, even if you want to say those numbers are inflated um, seven points in his last five, he's had multiple games with over five uh, shots on goal, including 10 against Ottawa. So a pretty decent floor for him as well. The lows for me here are uh, Lawson Krauss again, 3,900, very cheap price tag for a guy 
uh, that has points in, in five straight here. Slow start to the season, understandably. You know, we've talked about Arizona has been playing a lot better. They're at home against Seattle, so I think that's a good matchup as well. So under 4K for him is a good steal here. Marcus Johansson, 30, uh, 3800 is my price tag for him. Uh, this is more of a, a prospecting uh, option. He doesn't have goals in his last six. He does have four helpers over that stretch, but he also has 15 shots. So, you know, two and a half per game. Um, the numbers are, are pretty good there. So at that low price tag, good matchup. I think he makes a lot of sense. I'll go to my utility spot next and stick with the Johansons uh, and go with Ryan Johansson here. He comes in 4,300 is his price tag. Another prospecting spot, really pointless in his last four, but 12 shots on, on net over that stretch. So the, the goal is coming in Colorado at home against a depleted New Jersey devil squad. Um, it's, I think it's a good opportunity. I, I'm not going full stack on Colorado, but I think you could pick and choose some spots because the devils are, are struggling. Victor Hedman kicks off my D group here. Uh, Tampa Bay has got the matchup with Montreal. Hedman 6K uh, on the night, uh, on the slate rather. He's got a pretty good run going right now, nine points in his last seven. Uh, And so uh, that includes five points in his last two games. Some power play opportunities are there as well for Hedman. And then I'm going to give this a whirl, Paul. I've got it uh, right in front of me here. I'm going to try and say this right. From uh, Anaheim, Pavel Mintikov. Close. Mintikov. Mintikov. Okay, that's <laughs> all right. I had the pronunciation guide in front of me. Okay, very Tried good. Tried my best. Um, so, uh, Pavel Mintikov. Say it again for me, Paul. Mintikov. Mintikov. All right. I we think that's the way it goes. <laughs> 4600 is his price tag here for Anaheim. Uh, he had a really good... A good stretch there recently. He's he's a hot hand pick. Comes in again, 4,600. Looks like uh, six helpers in his last six games. Shots on goal is pretty minimal. So you're really looking for him to hopefully pick up an assist. But he's getting decent power play opportunities with the number one unit there in Anaheim. And just because I think the Penguins are playing better doesn't mean they're going to suddenly come out and, you know, steamroll the Anaheim Ducks, I just think this could be a, a decent scoring game. So opportunities to you guys on both sides. Uh, I briefly considered, uh, you know, you look at the matchups tonight. San Jose is just uh, just terrible. Uh, so I thought about it, but I just can't bring myself to use Cal Pedersen. Uh, he's looked really, really bad. Uh, so I went to, uh, you know, the, the league numbers here and – San Jose does lead the way with fewest goals for per game. They're just over one. Again, I don't want to use Cal Patterson tonight. St. Louis Blues come in at fourth fewest goals uh, in the league right now per game, 2.4. And so Connor Hellybuck is my option here, 7,800. Pretty good discount. Uh, you know, he's had some rough games. He has not, you know, been, uh, you, know, so, you know, his unbeatable self as he can sometimes be. Um, but it's a good matchup for him against a team that's really struggling for goals. And it's a low price tag to let you spend elsewhere. So that's how my uh, lineup shook out, Paul. What do you got going on over there for FanDuel? Well, I'm going to talk about that Philadelphia-San Jose game and start with my goalie pick there, AJ. I'm not afraid to pick Philadelphia's goalie. I would pick you. 
And I don't know if you ever played in that in your life. I'd fly you out to the game and put you in there and take my chances. That's how awful San Jose has been this year. I, I would trust you that much, even if you didn't have to wear skates. $7,700 a price tag for Samuel Erson, who is the other option that Philadelphia has in the Nets right now. Erson had a, has had a couple of cups of coffee, and he might be the guy that they turn to if, if they're not happy with Peterson as an option, regardless of who it is, I think you just got to go there and say, until further notice, San Jose is my free spot in the bingo card. I'm picking my goalie based on that matchup night after night and, uh, for the for the surest goalie win that's out there. On top of the list at the center, I will go to a couple of guys who are number ones in their respective situation. They do have challenging uh, situations as they're both on the road, but Mika Zibanejad versus Detroit for 7000 you're getting a guy who's got nine points in 11 games. He is a point per game player when he's on fire. And I think there's a chance for him to play against a team that's not very defensively responsible as a rule. Though they're off to a better start in that regard this year. I just don't just don't trust the Detroit back end because they employ a guy like Justin Hall back there. And they've got a very questionable mix in the nets. So the Rangers should prey upon that and Sabanajet should be at the center of it. Similarly, Sebastian Ajo and Carolina, they visit the Buffalo Sabres, a team who has a couple of uh, name recognition defensemen in power and Dalene, but they really haven't found a way to shut down opponents. And they're giving up more goals than they should. And Devin Levi has been rocked in a few of the, the games that I've seen this year, and their goaltending has been questionable, questionable at best. So Carolina's poised to take advantage of that. You got Ajo, who is at a, almost a point per game clip and not even playing at the top of his game yet. I think this is a night for him to pad his stats in that regard. Winnipeg has a, a date with St. Louis. I'm picking a lot of visiting teams uh, in, in my list as I look at the rest of the roster. But Connor is a guy who has an automatic choice for me when there's a team that has a suspect defensive structure. And St. Louis qualifies for that as well, uh, despite the fact they might throw Bennington in that's as their top goalie option. And... Uh, Connor's price tag, $7,100. He's the most expensive guy on my list, but he's he's lower priced than I think he will be later in the season when he gets really rolling. This is a guy who's one of the top goal scorers in hockey and top shooters, so I expect him to build on the nine points he has in 11 games to date. I really like Jared McCann in Seattle, and every time I mention him, I guess you got to cringe a little bit, AJ. <laughs> I do too because he he should have been a Leaf. They, they claimed him uh, before uh, releasing him to... Uh, Freer Waters and Seattle picked him off their roster uh, when they set up their team last year. They're going to play in Arizona tonight. We talked about Arizona being an improved team, but I just trust McCann to find his way for $6,100 and build on what he's done in the early going. Six goals, three helpers so far in 12 games. And on the blue line, they went for a couple of guys that are linchpins on their respective teams for the power play. Shane Goss Bear, formerly of the Philadelphia Flyers, now toiling for Detroit. Against the Rangers, he's priced at only $4,900. He, too, is off to a pretty nice offensive start with nine points in 12 games. And then Vince Dunn for Seattle is a guy I lean on in fantasy more often than than not. He's got the nice matchup in Arizona, priced at only $5,200, getting a guy who's almost a point per game from the back end, 10 points in 12 games played. So a good bet to pad those numbers tonight, too. And it seems whenever I pick Kyle Connor for Winnipeg, I – I pick Nikolai Ehlers as well, and he gets the same tasty matchup against St. Louis. His price tag only $5,400. That's reflective of the fact that he's only got five points so far. But I look at the shot total. It's almost three shots on goal per game. That's where this guy lives, and I think more of them have to drop than they have. 
and tonight could be a good situation for him in that regard. And similar to McCann, I like Jason, Jason Schwartz for, for Seattle against Arizona. 10 points in 12 games played. Another top six guy on the roster here, and he comes in cheap as well. And then finally, I told you, Samuel Erson in the Nets. I don't know if you have better information than I do, but it looks like he's the expected go-to guy in Philadelphia. doesn't matter who. Just get the name right and plug him in and, and fill out your roster. So that's the way I see it. Uh, interesting contrasts in our roster makeup tonight. And uh, final thoughts, AJ. I know the Leafs are a week away from, from a date in Sweden with a couple of other teams that go over in the tournament there. We'll be talking about that a little bit more next week. But any other observations that you have to close out the week? We have Hall of Fame weekend here in Toronto too, which is always an exciting time. A Friday, Saturday back-to-back that I'm looking forward to as Leafs finish up a homestand before going on that trip. So that's what's happening locally at my end. What about you? Uh, any thoughts? Well, for anybody that uh, likes to watch it over on uh, Facebook or Twitter, uh, you'll see I'm sporting some UW-Wisconsin gear today. Uh, currently, the talk of the collegiate hockey world, you've got the women's team still number one ranked, half fresh off their seventh national title last season. And then the men's team is up to third in the most rate, uh, the latest rankings. They were able to sweep then number one Minnesota two weeks ago. This past weekend, they swept again then number three uh, Michigan in both games. So some fantastic collegiate hockey happening on both the women's and the men's side here in Madison. So I wanted to give a shout out to both of those programs. Looking forward to the next University of Wisconsin home game where I'll be able to plop myself down in my season tickets, Paul. Beautiful. I hope you enjoy the heck out of that. How many games are on the schedule at the top of your head? How many home games will will your club play? Uh, They get, I think, eight home games, not including potential playoffs. Uh, I think it's eight. Yeah, I had to. uh, Unfortunately, this last weekend when they were playing Michigan, I was gone. So my wife got to uh, take advantage of the season tickets. Took a friend of hers to the game. And so, uh, yeah, they didn't go unused. The missus uh, went uh, went and saw some hockey. They said they had a good time. So That's cool. I like that. And then nod to the women's game. We know that there's a, uh, a new professional league that is uh, the product of the merging of two former leagues. And I hope that there comes a day soon where we can have a segment where we talk more about women ho- women's hockey. I have a lot of time for it and uh, support it fully in, in this iteration. I hope it goes well for what I believe is a, a, a team, a league that's been well organized, well thought out and planned. They had a very nice splashy draft uh, in the off season. And uh, I think that's a big step in the right direction for the women's game. So more power to all of them. We close out then another episode of Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. As always, we remind you that we're here to help you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage the, you to send your comments or questions on Twitter where you can show uh, me some love. Po- follow me at Statsman22, and you can also follow AJ at AJScholes24. I'm not sure whether he's got any travel plans next week, but uh, I was excited <laughs> to hear about the Vegas trip, AJ. He got me all fired up because there's a lot of fun to be had in, uh, in Sin City. I loved it whenever I've been there. Anyway, we wish you all the best for a nice week, and uh, so long, everybody. We'll talk again in seven days. Thank you.